or I was going to start I was going to start writing boringly and that was going to you know translate for the reader to read boring material and I didn't want that to happen so if you feel that coming on you got you've got to find some way to break out of the mold and uh mm-hmm. and let the batteries recharge for a while It's interesting you say that because it was uh I was reading about um Agatha Christie in I read her biography, but she doesn't really reveal much in her biography. It's very private. So I was reading her autobiography. Um, but I was reading a biography of her, and two things they said really hit me. One was when she wanted to start writing the Miss Marple book, they didn't want her to because Perot was doing so well. It was a hit. You know, everybody wanted a Perot for Christmas. They wanted her to focus on Perot, but she was getting bored with Perot, bored. And so she wanted to do something entirely different. And she just kept at them, and they finally said, fine, you can do, like, short, a book of short stories of uh, Miss Marvel. Book of short stories was a huge hit. Yes. And so, and then she wrote uh, uh, her first novel for Miss Marple, which was uh, Murder at the Vicarage, and that was even a bigger hit. So they had to go let her do it. But then she got another, she, she actually took up another name and started writing totally different, not mysteries, really riddle dramas, completely different. And she kept the name secret for years, like, I think, like, 20 years or something. And until uh, critics figured out it was her and, and, and outed her, which I always think is mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and, and, but that's how she did it. That's what she did to escape, you know, getting bored. Because well, you, when you're you bored, you write boringly. Exactly. You you, you really you really have to. Um, I did a six book series a couple years ago that I looked forward to writing every day. I mean, it was it was great and it was new and different and wonderful and everything about it was terrific. And and then all of a sudden it dawned on me that I have absolutely nothing else to do to this character. I you know I I'm I'm out I'm I'm done. So you know as much as I didn't want to and as much as the publishers didn't want me to after six books that was it. I was I was done with that one and I was as much as I enjoyed them I was I've never felt so relieved to be done with something because I didn't have to try anymore uh with that one. I could go on to something brand new. So you have to do that every once in a while or you get really maybe even more than boring, you get stagnant. And that's a mm-hmm. that's a dangerous word to a writer. If you get stagnant, that's dangerous. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I just I always find it very interesting. One of the things I always like to hear is what they do, different writers, especially brilliant writers. Um, when it comes to getting stuck or getting like in a, a caught, or you get, you're, you're getting yourself 
yourself in a muddle and you can't get out of it. With all different kinds of traps for a writer. Um, and it's always interesting to hear other people talking about that because that could spark an idea to help you if you if you get into one of those little quagmires. Do you find that? Yeah, yeah. You you have to you have to figure out how you're going to get out when you get into places like that, and it happens to everybody. Um, there's two mm-hmm. or three things that happen to every writer. And I was talking to um, Doug Lyle one day, who's a terrific, terrific writer. And I was talking to him, and he says every single writer that he's ever talked to, including himself, gets to about twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five thousand words in a book. And they freak out for a little while because they don't know that they have anything to finish it. And I and I was listening to him say that, and I and I and it tripped me out because I said I thought I was the only one that did that. And he, you know, so that was a good thing. But um, I did a I did a series uh, earlier this year. I finished a five book series of, of a western, and. And I knew I only had a limited amount of things that I could do in these five books. And I wasn't sure if I could make it all work and be interesting. So I decided to give myself a break in the middle of writing it. And I wrote the second book. And I let a man who had very rarely talked about his past, I let him get talked into writing his memoirs with a professional writer. So the entire book, I didn't have to have one good idea and then stretch it out for, you know, 50,000 words or whatever it was. I let him tell a series of short stories that told the man's history at the same time. And it was really clever on my part for me to do these little short stories within chapters that did what they were supposed to do made an interesting book and gave me some room to think about the next three. And um, I don't know that I'll ever get an opportunity to do something quite like that again, but boy, I was glad when that one came along because it it served a lot of purposes. Mm -hmm. I think that also when you stretch yourself doing something that you've never done before or doing something that's hard, that also is a good thing because not only is it good because you're, you, you've accomplished this, but also because you're, you're, you're seeing how your brain works, how you click. And sometimes you find like a secret within yourself about how you write that you probably would never have known if you weren't doing this project. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? You, have you seen yeah, that happen yeah, to yourself? Yeah, if you don't open that door, you don't know what's in there. And you may find that you don't like what's there, but chances are better that you could be glad you opened it and went inside. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a second book of a two-book series that, that I'm doing right now that I've wanted to write for four years and finally got the chance to start them. And uh, I wasn't sure if I had it within me to do it correctly and it feels like I am uh, I guess time will tell but it was you know and on the other hand when when the 
the publishers that I'm with now, they uh, asked me to do a, a series of books a couple years ago. They said, can you write a creature series? I said, maybe if you'll tell me what one is, I don't know. And they told me, you know, it's got to jump out of the water or out of the woods or out of the dark or whatever and just scare you. And can you do it for three books? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can do that, I think. And I thought about it for a while and came up with how I'd do it. And I told them, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a try. And I did it, and I was real pleased with it. I liked the way it turned out, but I knew that the, what I had written and the way I had written it, um, I didn't think would be appealing to anybody. The publishers asked for it, so I did it, but I didn't think it would ever sell 10 copies between the three books. I just, you know, it, it just wasn't that kind of thing. And it turned out to be in the best-selling series of uh, I've ever had. So, you know, that's when I that's when I figured out that my opinion really didn't matter, except for what I could write and what I couldn't. Um, the same with the biggest newest release that I've had, Fields of Ghost. Uh, I had a small idea that kept getting bigger, and I kept working on it. And it took, um, you know, a book now takes me what, a month, two months, whatever to write. That one took two to three hours a day for 18 months. And it was, and, it, and the more I wrote, the bigger it got. And um, it may be, I know it's in the top two of the books that I'm most proud of. Um, Fields of Ghosts was, was an incredible idea that I had. And um, I took a chance and, and it actually worked. Um, and, and told the story that I wanted to tell in the way I wanted to tell it with an ending that I really liked that I'm going to get a lot of mail over and not all of it's going to be have smiley stickers on it. Um, but that's okay. It, it, it was the book I wanted to do and I'm, but it was new and different and, now I know. Now I know I can jump into something that complex and make it work. I think it's very interesting. When everybody's different, uh, some people uh, don't read while they're writing, and others do because it it gives them peace. It's like a escape. Um, are you? Do you read while you're writing, or do you not read because you're worried you might get confused between what you're writing and what you're reading? I don't understand I have that to, personally. I, I've heard people say that. <laughs> I have to be careful with what I read. I can read uh, certain things and be fine. Certain things I can't. I can't read, uh, say, Dickens, who I really, really like. Dickens is one of my favorite writers. Um, mm -hmm. because it influences the way I put words together. Uh, I don't mean for it to, but it does. I end up writing in a very floral language the way Dickens did, and I, and I, and the books that I generally do, you can't do that in. So as long as I'm careful about what I'm reading, um, I can read Westerns while I'm writing Westerns. I can write, read um, scary books while I'm writing scary books, and those two don't mess with each other. But if I if I happen to write read uh, Dickens or 
Um, if I read journals of the settlement of Kentucky in the late 1700s or Civil War journals, then my language starts being affected and I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, I found that. Uh, I love Jane Austen and I like uh, Charlotte Bronte. I like classics. But you get caught up in the language. And, yeah, you, do. you can't allow yourself. I, I mean, I, if I'm writing a modern book, I can't talk to you in Regency English. <laughs> no, you know, you can't. You know, all of a sudden you're not saying, hey, are you, you know, you don't have to be happy with that. You're all of a sudden writing you've no need to content yourself with the per current circumstances, you know, and, yeah. and it becomes very wordy and very fluid. And, um, and that doesn't work most of the time. Uh, certain books you, you look for that and certain ones you really got to stay away from that. So as long as I'm careful with what I read, I can do it at the same time, but I'm safer to watch college football and Atlanta Braves baseball and, and write. I, I can mix those two anytime. <laughs> I'm like I'm a big nonfiction girl. I love reading biographies and history and, and things like that. Um that's that's me. Um I mean I love reading fiction, but if I'm in the middle of something or if I'm having a especially if I'm having a hard time with something, I have to be really careful about what fiction I'm reading. Um you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. It's it's more like I don't want anything to interfere with what I'm working on. Exactly. But I'm why I'm reading is to escape it. I don't. So I definitely don't want something to interfere with it. You know. <laughs> right. Well, it's the same way with music. I, I I tend to write better when there's music on, but it has to be a particular kind of music. Um. Mm -hmm. I I'm a big Beatles and Pink Floyd fan, uh, just as much as I am Leonard Skinner and Hank Williams Jr. But I can't listen to any of that music while I write because it screws with my mood. Uh, so I listen to Zen music and uh, a lot of more surroundings and attitude music than you know stuff with words and and melodies that you can identify it's 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 a it's a real strange process uh and every writer is a little bit different and every writer is exactly the same it's 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 a weird it's a weird occupation to have because there's so yeah. many strange idiosyncrasies that go along with it and the thing is like um i've heard writers say oh i i like to write with the classics but i get just as much into beautiful classical music as I do with jazz or rock or something like that, it still affects me. So I, yeah. even, you know, classical, you can, it's not separate from my emotions. Um, so I, I, I know a lot of people have classical music on while they're right, and all, all fire to them, good for them, but I can't do it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm... I like jazz. Um, I'm a. There's certain part, certain kinds of jazz that I really, really like, and um, uh, like Dave Brubeck, for example. I'm a huge Dave Brubeck mm -hmm. fan. 
And mm-hmm. but if I tried to listen to his music and write, like the like the book I mentioned a while ago, if I tried to write Fields of Ghosts and listen to jazz at the same time, I wouldn't have got ten words a day done, because the 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 music alters my mood. So I listen mm-hmm. to things that are that are just in the background, and I know it's there, but I'm not really hearing. But you you cannot write a bleak book and listen to swinging jazz. You know, you can't write um, <laughs> you can't write something dark and gloomy and listen to the Almond Brothers, you know, doing something like Melissa. You, it just doesn't work. Or I can't. I have to I have to have make the music match the book I'm writing. Um or I or I won't get anything done. I actually uh, rarely listen to music while I write. I just it, it's too distracting for me. I I usually just have nothing on, and just work on my writing. Um, I I love music, so don't get me wrong. I love jazz. I love swing. I love classical. I love soft rock and hard rock. I mean, I <laughs> I like all kinds of music. Um. I even like opera. Um, I'm the only member of so my family. So do I, but there is, I've never tried that. <laughs> I love Italian oh, no. opera, but I, I wouldn't listen to opera and write at the same time. for. I wouldn't do that with oh, three no. guns in my head. Talk, talk about getting mood um, music. Yeah, no, I can't do that with opera. Yeah, no, but, that, but you, you might point. as well be butting that's your head against point. the wall. That's yeah. my point. I mean, Maybe I could listen to Buddhist chants or something, but I, as much as I find that fascinating, I don't find it relaxing. <laughs> I yeah, that's the reason I moved to this this Zen stuff and and all this uh, uh, stuff that's made for attitude. You listen to it and it, mm-hmm. and it automatically puts you in a kind of a mood. You know if. You know, I've got a den full of guitars and fiddles, mandolins. And so I really, I grew up on bluegrass, and I love bluegrass. And I love to play it, and I like to listen to it. But there's no way to, there's no way to listen to bluegrass and write at the same time because you, you can't write as fast as you're thinking when bluegrass comes on. You've got, you've got to move, man. And uh, so I found a system that worked about six years ago, music-wise, and I hadn't changed from it. Uh, maybe I would do better to try something else, but I'm not going to. No, I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah, no, I that's just, it. I if, can, it I, if it ain't I, broke, I don't fix it. Exactly. I tried, but I just, I can't. I, I haven't, I'm not lucky like you. I never found the right sound. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's weird. I get into these modes, like I will get into a very nostalgic mood and listen to, like, the Carpenters or something, just because I I love Karen Carpenter's voice. It's so haunting and beautiful. But I, I couldn't use that to work, you know? No. No, everything you wrote would be sad as hell. Yeah. I mean, there's just. Oh, I, I mean, even even their happy like, songs were sad. <laughs> it, it was romantic. Some of them were really sweet too. I mean, 
Um, I, 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 she's one, when I was a little girl, that was the person I loved the most because, first of all, she's the only female singer who was really famous at that time who had an alto voice. She wasn't a soprano. She didn't have a deep bass type voice. She had an alto, and that's the way I sing. So I could, I could actually sing her songs on key and feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> But I couldn't do that with most other singers. I mean, I couldn't do Streisand or something like that because that was way beyond me. (laughs) Right. I got you. So, yeah, I love, I I really did. I loved her. I was so devastated when she got sick and died. Yeah, that was a, that was a loss. They were, they were a good duo and uh, they were, they were, they were awfully smooth, but they do they do tend to bring me even their like I said, even their happy songs tend to bring me down. They're they're just mm-hmm. oh, there's just something about them. They're just so sad. <laughs> even the good ones <laughs> and the happy ones. But uh that's okay. I like it, you know, I like but I like blues too, a lot. So I'm I'm kinda mm-hmm. used to sad music, so Yeah, Billy Holiday's one of the greatest singers ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh again. I wouldn't use her for my my writing um, because, no. like no. I said, she's so sad. Her her music is just so devastating and sad, but so beautiful. Um, I I I think mm-hmm. the hard thing is is that every artistry has its own rhythm, and unless you can find music like you did that meets your artistry, you just have to have nothing, which is what I do. <laughs> it's it sometimes it's it's better that way. Um and sometimes I'll I'll do it that way. Um it it it, it all depends. If I'm writing light stuff, you know, if I can stuff that I can breathe through, I can listen to music and if it's something that I've really, really gotta concentrate on then there's nothing on um one light uh phones in the other room that kind of a thing uh so yeah you've got you've got to find what works you know Shelby Foote found that it worked for him to use a dip pen and write 500 words a day and stop no matter where mm-hmm. he was at he'd stop and then take a walk and eat lunch and come back the next in the afternoon and type it up and then walk away from it of course it took him 26 years to write his three volume set on the civil war but he found what worked for him so that he did it exactly right. So you've got you've got to find that groove. And um it took ten, twelve years for me to you know, fish around and grope around till I finally found what worked for me the best up to this point. I don't I'm not saying it's the best 'cause I'm I'm still looking, but I, I found a way that works. It's interesting because I remember going to I, I went to see Ray Bradbury a few times. I was lucky enough to talk to him a few times. Really nice man. And one of the things he said that made an impression on me when I was young when I saw him, um, he said, When you're writing, always stop somewhere like even if it's the sentence that doesn't end the paragraph or in the middle, even if it's the middle of the sentence, 
because it would be in your head what you were going to do to complete the sentence, and you just go on when you get back to writing. Yes. I exactly. thought, how brilliant is that? <laughs> yeah, I heard somebody say something similar one time, and I, and, I, and I put it into practice, and it works. And I never, I never, almost never, opened my laptop to a blank page that says Chapter 6 at the top. I always write the first sentence, so I'll have an idea of where to start. Um, Because you may have a great idea at 3 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, and you may not remember that great idea at 7 o'clock Wednesday morning. So you you write that first sentence, and you say, okay, here's the thread. I've got to pick this up, and I've got to run with this. So it's a a similar thing, and it's it's a really good practice to have. Yeah, I also write a lot of notes. Like, if I get to a point where I'm getting tired, I will write my idea where I want to go. Even if the characters don't want to at that moment, at least I have an idea where I want to go. And if the characters say, oh, no, I don't want to do that, well, then you listen to the characters and do what they want you to do. But but at least you, it's not a blank page. Because you, I, that's why I always have notes. I don't leave my notes on the page, and I know a lot of people have little pop-ups with their notes on it. I, I rather have it on separate. I actually write it on paper, um, uh-huh. separate, uh, away from my laptop, because that way, if like I'm having an argument with my character, no, no, I don't want to do that, then I go okay, and I push that paper away, and we'll go with the character because. If the character won't do it, it won't be it won't have heart. And if it doesn't have heart, then people don't relate to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people talk about outlining, and I don't outline. Um, I, I don't like feeling hemmed in. I don't like feeling pinned down. Um, so I don't I don't do that at all. But I'll get to the last five six chapters of a book, sometimes further than that, but usually the last five or six. And I'll write one sentence that I want that chapter to be about. And by the time I get to the, you know, because I know at some point how many chapters are going to be in a book. And I'll get to the, when I start writing these one sentence markers for me, I can make it end up to where the book ends the way it's supposed to, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't – if I write notes, it's usually dates and names that I've put in a book because I'm terrible at remembering <clears throat> my characters' names. I know that's strange for some people, but I, I, I have a real problem. Unless it's the two main characters or something, I can't remember who was doing what. So I write it down, and, and I can always look over and say, okay, oh, oh, his name wasn't James. It was Joe. Oh, okay, i got to go change mm-hmm. this. Uh, but – that's about as far as I get with notes is, is that in the, in the five or six last chapters of what the theme is for that chapter. But the rest of it, man, I'm flying blind and just and hoping there's a mattress down there to land on. See, I do that with a lot of stuff, but when I'm working on a mystery, it has to have a, 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 a plot that there's a through stream, and you have to leave little clues to be fair to the audience. So you can't not write stuff down. 
because you yeah. have to keep... Yeah, when, when you're doing you a straight-up mystery or suspense like that, then you have to. Yeah, because you can't always remember the clues you want to plant. No, the no, there's... you want to use for them. <laughs> exactly. Or, or if you're writing at the time and you say, okay, this, and it may only be two words or something, but you look at it and you say, something's telling me that these two words are going to be important 15 chapters from now. So mm-hmm. you scribble those down and you say, okay, when this comes back around, I'm going to know that, and it saves you the time of having to go back and try to find where you wrote that. But um, when you, you know, I guess everybody's different, but I, even though I can't remember my characters' names, I tend to remember exactly what they were thinking at any given moment, which is really strange. So I don't, I don't have to use notes as often as some because, you know, it's just not a thing for me. Now, if you say, mm-hmm. who was thinking that? That's different. Then I have to go up and look it up and say, okay, it was this guy. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I, I should be able to remember people in my book, but I just can't. Yeah, it's just like somebody said that you, uh, every writer remembers the, sentence, the first and last sentence of every book that they write, and I'm like, but I guess I'm not a normal writer because I don't remember every first and last sentence. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't with the first one. I can remember the last sentence of every book I've ever written. Uh, but you know, everybody says, really? That's pretty impressive. Well, it's not. It's only 30 sentences to remember. you know. But the last sentence, the last page, the last sentence, the last chapter uh, are the most important ones to me. I mean, they it's not just because it wraps everything up, but some of them I do intentionally to make people mad. Some people I do it to break their hearts. Some of them I do it and I give them an easy way out of a book and they, oh, good, this this didn't end the way I thought it was going to. It ended better. Um, so the the last chapter, last page, last line, um, I spend uh, uh, an inordinate amount of time writing a book just to get to that one last sentence. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and those are, maybe they're not supposed to be or shouldn't be, but those are very, very important to me. Because um, that's the last thing a person's, you know, they're going to remember things through a book, but that last page, they're going to remember how they felt. And that's what that's 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 a that's a big priority for me. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, recently I've gotten into BookTube, which is uh, YouTube. They have like uh, a, people who love books talking about books. And one of the things that they say a lot on there is, "Oh, it was a really good book until the end. I just hate the way they ended it." They say that an awful yeah. lot. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hear that from, from people. They'll send me notes or whatever. Or they'll come up to me and they'll say, you should have ended the book like this. I, no, no. You should have ended your book like that. You want to write it, go right ahead. But, yeah, I know. You but know, it's no, I, so ended, I ended my book. Yeah, I ended my book the way my book should have ended. I said, you do yours however you want. You know, and yeah. it that'll 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 lose you somebody off of the fan club in a hurry when you do that. But I'm real honest about those things. I don't mind bad reviews. 
but and that's fine. You don't like my book, say so. Hey, you've got the right. You spent the nine dollars or fourteen dollars, whatever it was. You're you're entitled to feel however you want, but you are not entitled to come up and tell me how I should have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you want to you want to hate it. Go right ahead, but don't tell me how I should have done it to make it better. I, I take a I, I, I take a real stiff lip to that stuff, um, and I'll tell you in a heartbeat. You know, you you wasn't the one sitting there five, six, seven hours every day, seven days a week doing this. I was. You spent yeah. four days reading it. You know. It's that's true. That's absolutely true. I I think the thing is that. People don't realize the work that goes into writing, the rewriting and the rewriting and the restructuring and the, the, you know, working with the editor to make it better and then reworking it again. And, oh, it's so hard. Uh, I love writing, but it's not easy. And people just think, oh, well, why didn't you do this? Well, maybe if you were in the room, I would have thought of it. (laughs) Right, you know, I uh, I cowboyed for a living for years, and uh, it would be a hundred and five degrees, or it would be raining for twelve hours in a row, or we'd be, you know, getting up hay full of briars, and you're you're bleeding and you're hurting, and none of that was as hard as writing. Um, it just wasn't. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I, I I try to explain that to people. They don't really sometimes understand. I get more tired doing my writing than I do doing my show. Oh yeah, and I put a lot writing, of work writing, in my, writing is I mentally exhausting. Of, yeah, I mean I put a lot of work in uh, my broadcast, but it doesn't compare when I'm working on my writing. It does. It's exhausting. <laughs> It is, it, it, and 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 tough guys, you know. And I don't I don't know who all of them are. And I like to consider myself in that group. I'm a I'm I'm a pretty uh, out there kind of a guy. I'm an outdoorsman, hunting, fishing all my life since I was five years old. That kind of thing. I'm kind of rough and tumble, and used to be rowdy. And uh, but it, it not only mentally exhausts you, but it takes a lot out of you emotionally. In, in ways that you don't like to uh, admit to people. Uh, it really, you know, things that you write bother you. And um, so when you get up from a day's session, it, it you, you know, you if you put in the work, then you're going to feel it. It's, uh, it's going to have drained you. Oh, yeah. It has to. If it isn't, if you're not emotionally attached to the book, who is going to be? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I keep mentioning this, but I, I, the 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 book that I'm really on fire about now that just released, whatever four weeks ago, or something like that, uh, Fields of Ghost. Um, there were so many different characters that had so many different and distinct personalities that you had to get into. Um, no matter which one you were writing about at the time, when you got up, you were 
you know, you felt like you'd been beat with a sack of doorknobs just from trying to get all of that out in the right way. And it mm-hmm. was a, it was a, it was a difficult book to write that even though it was such a strain, it was probably the most, um, I think I can honestly say it was probably the most enjoyable experience out of 30 books, 31 books now, I guess. Uh, it, it but it took its toll, but in a good way. I think that's really the thing is, is that as hard as it is to write, thing that is so satisfying about getting it to where you want it to go, starting with a blank sheet or a blank screen, and then ending with the end. You're like. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. <laughs> well, you know, when I when I joined up with the publisher that I'm with now, um, I, up until then I had never signed with a publisher. I had done everything as an independent, so it was all brand new when they came looking for me and wanted to talk to me, and they asked, "Could I write a book?" Uh, they wanted to write a a horror book. Can you write a scary book? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I worked and worked and worked for whatever it was, two, two and a half months, and I submitted them a book, and I was hoping that they would like it enough to where I, if I'd made certain changes that they would really like it, you know, it because I was guessing. And they called me back, and um, they want to have a meeting, and, and the first thing they said was, we don't want this book, we want three exactly like it. Well, you know, I'd never signed with a publisher. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm going to do it, I have to write a series, and I'd never done a series before. Everything had been standalones. So we agreed to it, and, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And I sat down the next day, and it may have been the scaredest I've been in 10 years as far as writing because I knew I had to write not just a book, but I had to write a book that connected – and let me have room to write the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. And there was that blank page, and I had no idea what to put on it. And it was a it was a really, you know, walk across crushed glass moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Um, we're coming to the end. I want to give you time to tell about your new book, how to get it. If there's any events for it, all that good stuff. Fields of Ghost is is the most um, complex, one of the most complex, sinister, slow burning type of uh, books that that you'll read. Uh, it's um, and it's not a slash and scream and hatchet kind of a scary book. It's more of a Stephen King's The Stand. Scary because it's plausible. With just a little bit of imagination, you can see how it could be real. And to me, those are the scarier books than anything else. This could happen with just a a, a modification or two. And um, it, it takes place in the Shenandoah Valley region of Virginia, where two people go to mend a broken marriage. And through a series of unfortunate events, they get lost. The car breaks down, and she drops a, 
an enormous secret on him that explains why they were having some difficulties, but it also fixes it to where they're the only two people in town that know each other that they know and can trust, but they don't like each other. And the further the book goes on, the 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 more secrets are revealed about that small town, and you're not going to like any of them because they're terrible. They're terrible secrets. And and it could just it's just sort of escalates from there. And they aren't allowed to leave. I won't say why, but they're not. They're going to be there from now on. And like I said, the only two people they can trust are themselves, and they don't particularly like each other. So it's it's you don't have just a us against them. You have a are we a us against us going on at the same time. And then there's um, what a friend of mine that reviewed the book in Greece called a magical. Um, twist at the end and it may be and I like surprise endings and it may be the best one I've ever written in my life um, it's a it's a bigger book than is norm now where the normal for an, uh, a novel is probably around 80,000 words this one you know is going to hit your coffee table at 137,000 words it's a great Ooh. big doorstop of a book but I think I could have added more, but I couldn't have taken a single word out. And those are the good books when you know that everything in there is supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's uh, it's one that me and my publishers and and a lot of other people are really excited about. And it it may be the first uh, legitimate campaigner for a bestseller that I've ever written. Uh, we're that proud of that book. And we've done two or three. Um, talks, interviews about that book. I'm having a book signing in uh, two weeks about in, in a county right next to where I live. Um, I didn't even know that, that that bookstore existed, and now they've got my books on the shelves, and I'm going down to meet people and sign books, and I can't wait for that. And, and I get to do things like this show here, which is great because you and I haven't talked in – what four years or something? Yeah, um, like four so years. It's, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's great to be back and and especially with with a book that's that's this um, interesting and, and that I'm that proud of. Um, I mean, I'm proud of all the the books that I've done. I wouldn't turn one loose if I wasn't. But this one, this one's different. This one's really, really up there. And you can uh, you can find it. You know, I'm, I advertise all the time on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and you can find me in all those places, uh, Jeff Crawford or J.B. Crawford Penn or Author 3163 on TikTok, but you can, you can find me. But the, the best place, even because I don't I, – I apologize for this, but I don't do websites because I don't like keeping up with them. Um, the best place is Amazon at the Author Central. Top in my name, and you can see all 30 books that I've written, and Fields of Ghost is right there. And um, 
And if that, if that one doesn't suit you, if you're looking for a new book, then there's there's westerns, there's horrors, there's suspense, there's creature books, there's romance. Um, I get just as bored as readers, so I don't like to write the same thing. So I like to expand and try this and that. And um, uh, so there's something for everybody on my author page. And um, you can see the ones that I think are similar by other authors. If you like them, then you might like this particular book or that particular book. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. And, and any of those sites that I mentioned, you can drop a line, drop a comment, drop a question, and then I'll, uh, I'll answer right back. You know, I like, I like talking with people about my books, but I like talking with people about writing in general. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. it's fun for me. So uh, that's 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 where I'm at, and that's the new book. And I, uh, everybody that's looking for a for a for a kind of a darker book um, that'll leave you guessing all the way up until the very last word, then Fields of Ghost is the is the book for you. That sounds perfect place to end the show. Um, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was my pleasure, Sherry. I'll I'll do it anytime you want. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.